And now a quick break for a word from our sponsor. The Casper is an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. Supportive memory foam creates an award-winning sleep surface with just the right sink, just the right bounce. Try Casper for 100 nights risk-free in your own home. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up Mm. and refund you everything. Casper understands the importance of truly sleeping on a mattress before you commit, especially considering you're going to spend a third of your life on it if you sleep like a normal person. Wow, I just got depressed. (laughs) (laughs) Free shipping and returns to the U.S. and Canada. With more than 20,000 reviews and an average of 4.8 stars, it's quickly becoming the Internet's favorite mattress. Jason. Yeah. You love your Casper. Man, I do love it. There's nothing I love more than sinking deep into my Casper. Just the right bounce. Wonderful. Just the right bounce. Get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting www.casper.com slash binge and using offer code binge. Terms and conditions apply. And now back to binge mode. Hey, Grandmaster Picel. Can you tell us the warning about binge mode's adult content? Well, the thing about, the thing about binge mode is uh, binge mode contains <laughs> adult situations and intense violence and sex. <sighs> Never mind. Here's binge mode. Don't fight for your king. Don't fight for his kingdoms. Don't fight for honor. Don't fight for glory. Don't fight for riches because he won't get any. This is your city, Stannis means to sack. That's your gate he's ramming. If he gets in, it will be your houses he burns. Your gold he steals. Your women he will rape. Those are brave men knocking at our door. Let's go kill them. And welcome to Binge Mode. I'm Mallory Rubin, and deputy editor of TheRinger.com. <laughs> Joining me today, now that he's finished teaching Shay how to curtsy, it's Ringer staff writer and your maester, Jason Concepcion. Hello, friends. Jason. Yes. We are the right. captains of this ship. That's right. If this ship goes down, we're going with it. That's how it works. We are rewatching all 60 episodes of 60. Game of Thrones, deep dive in one episode at a time. Spoiler warning for all of you. We will be going deep on details from the show and the books alike from this season and beyond. So ask Pod to strap on your oh. armor, to hand you your axe. It is time to break down season two, episode nine, the iconic Blackwater. Jason? Fuck the king's guard. Fuck the king's guard. Fuck the city. Fuck the king. Not wanna bring me wine. It is time to get down to business. So let's refresh ourselves. An eventful, a uh, focused but eventful episode. Much let's, happens. Let's refresh ourselves on 
What actually transpired here during this epic battle and in this epic episode? Let's take a very quick trip down our own King's Road and uh, offer some refreshers on Blackwater. You start. Out on Blackwater Bay, Stannis's fleet draws within sight of the capital. Lights of King's Landing are there in the distance. Davos is worried. It's too quiet. Mathos, a fervent believer in the Lord of Light, is not. This is what was prophesized. King's Landing. Pycelle. Yeah, that's right. get ready for some Pycelle voice work. Bring Cersei. Essence of Nightshade. Essence of Nightshade, maker. Think of this as like a Westerosi super valium, okay? Should the city fall, Cersei wants this lethal toxin in her possession because she does not want Tommen to fall into Stannis' hands alive. Meanwhile, Bronn, always cheerful, leading a little sing-along, a little Reigns of Castamere with the Lannister men in one of the city's famed brothel karaoke establishments. Full stars on Yelp, guys. The Hound shows up, and he and Bronn, being the baddest dudes around, come pretty close to, to violence here. And then, before they can draw blades, the bells toll, signaling Stannis' arrival. Thankfully, right before this, Varys has shown Tyrion a map of the secret tunnels below King's Landing. Tyrion is going to find this information very useful. Out on the bay, Stannis' men beat the drums of war. The oarmen go to their posts and now start driving the fleet towards the bay. The Red Keep. Lannisters to your posts. Assume the position. (laughs) Bronn gets in his position up on the jetty in the throne room. Joffrey, always the romantic, comes yes. to see Sansa for a little kiss, but this time he wants her to kiss the sword. I call it heart eater. <laughs> she asks if he's going to be in the vanguard, you know, leading the troops, and then uh, negs him pretty heavily I here. Like of course, of course you will. They yes. say my brother Rob always goes where the fighting is thickest. <laughs> and promptly after being unmanned by Sansa, Joffrey is unmanned by a... Horse making some pretty normal horse sounds, guys. Got to be honest. Some very moderate yelling and the sight of approaching ships. Out in the bay again. The Lannisters are letting Stannis sail in unopposed. What is going on? Why? Where? Where is the opposing fleet? What is happening? Davos is about to find out. Cersei, Sansa, the rest of the noble women and children, they're gathering. They're getting comfortable. Grabbing some pillows, grabbing some wine, grabbing some prayers. Cersei gets completely sauced and gives Sansa all sorts of advice, including on how to use the weapon between her legs. And then transitions into some not super soothing or calming. Everyone's probably going to be in for a bit of a rape talk. It's a rape. Meanwhile... Tyrion's plan is actually unfolding perfectly. His wildfire-loaded ship is emerging from the mist, floating straight at the enemy fleet. Bronn lets fly with his flaming arrow, just as Davos realizes what is afoot. He sees the, the green liquids pouring out of the ship into the bay. Bronn's arrow ignites the conflagration and boom, giant explosion. Large portion of Stannis' fleet incinerated in seconds. Guys, you know who's not thrown by this? Stannis. Yes. He's like, all right, dudes. Many will die. Play the trick. Thousands. Can't play it again. Yeah. Let's roll. Let's go. To the Red Keep. Marches the troops. Plows straight ahead. The invasion continues. Stannis' men land on the beach. They've been scaling the walls. They put the ladders up. They're coming up. Tyrion makes a speech of his life, his his St. Crispin's Day speech, and he leads <laughs> the men out through a postern gate where they lead the defense of the, of the mud gate. Right there on the beach, ground level. Joffrey, meanwhile, flees. 
His he learns that his mother has business with him. Is it urgent business? Is it urgent? Business? Could you tell me? As does the hound. He sees flames. He sees the explosion. And uh, as we know, the hound hates fire. He does not want to deal with this. Lancel, meanwhile, gets uh, wounded forty five seconds after hitting the beach, and he also leaves. Um, after denouncing the city and the king, um, the hound shows up in Sansa's chambers. He offers to take her to Winterfell. Uh, she refuses. On the beach, Tyrion gets stabbed in the face by Sir Mandon Moore. And just when it seems like all is lost, Tywin, with the Knights of the Reach, uh, Littlefinger has done his work well, arrive, take Stannis' forces in the rear, they break the siege, and it's over. We've won! says Tywin as he <laughs> opens the opens the doors of the throne room. It's just great news for Cersei. No yeah. need to poison your own children today. All right, Jason, whether or not Cersei has urgent business with us, we mm. have urgent business with Cersei and with every other fool who is running blindly into or away from the flames this week. This all gets us to the big idea of this episode. So let's cut right to the core of it. Let's stick it with the pointy end. The defining theme of this episode is... Risk. Risking everything. A season full of everything we've talked about to this point. Flexing and lesson learning and preparation and plotting and betrayal and survival. It all culminates in a series of all-in moves. It's no longer time for half measures. Right. It's time for full measures. And we see that with a lot of people. But this is really, it was Tyrion's season and it's Tyrion's episode. Tyrion really shows his mettle here um, in a conversation with Shay before the battle. Um, she asks him, he's afraid. He says, of course I'm afraid. And then he lays out the stakes. I'm a Lannister. I don't have any choice in all of this, but it's not your war. You know, he's saying, I have to risk everything. I have no choice. There's nowhere for me to hide. This is the my family. This is our legacy. This is our survival right now. Everything right now. Listen to daddy. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but you don't have to do this. Go back east. You know, you don't have to deal with this. Tyrion has no choice. You know, he's all in. When Varys mentions the various escape route tunnels, Tyrion says, I'm not escaping. As strange as it sounds, I'm the captain of the ship. And if the ship goes down, I go with it. To which Varys smartly replies, and he's heard things of this nature, I'm sure, many a time. That, that is good to hear, though I'm sure many captains say the same while the ship is afloat. Yeah, wise words. Let's see what they're, let's see what Tyrion is really made of. Will he actually uh, stay with the ship? And his plan hinges on risking everything. He actually has no choice. I mean, they're, they're overmatched. Stannis has more men. He understands that because of the distance from the water to the gates, likely everything is going to hinge on the defense of the mud gate. It's just him. Joffrey is not the guy to be dealing with. Is it, what did my mother call? Urgent business. Is it urgent? What did she say? That right there was probably the, that was the most vulnerable moment for the Lannisters. Once the king leaves, everybody else is like, wait a second. So I'm going to die here? But- it's like helpful for Tyrion actually that yeah. Joffrey is such a pussy, right? Because yes. and Tyrion knows this and he acts right. accordingly in that very moment because he he is not going to waste the fact that being the brains behind the operation actually insulates him That's for right. once from Joffrey's cruelty. Like what do we we hear all this stuff from Cersei about paper shields? Right. This is a brain power right. shield, right? Joffrey can't 
cut him in half right. because Tyrion's the only one who knows what's about to happen. Right. He says, cut me in half and I won't be able to give the signal. No signal, no plan. No plan. And Stannis Baratheon sacks the city, takes the Iron Throne, and puts your pinched little head <laughs> atop a gate somewhere. Charming. He really has already done incredible work by pulling off right. the wildfire. This was effective. He took out a huge chunk of the opposition. And he only got one shot at that. Exactly. And he didn't fuck it up. Right. Braun, man. Really clutch for Braun. The look of just transported euphoria yeah. on the pyromancer's face when he hands yeah, his like, <laughs> It's really a golem, my precious look. It's really, it's very great. It's very great. But the thing that's cool about Tyrion in this episode is that he doesn't actually stop there. He could. Right. Plenty of characters would have been like, all right, I did that thing I said I was going to do. I'm done now. He's not just directing the pyrotechnics, right? He's actually in the thick of the fighting. And he meant what he said about going down with the ship. So Tyrion is all in in every respect. He is risking not only his life directly, but his family's legacy because he knows he has no choice. Stannis Baratheon understands that this is his moment and say this for our guy Stannis. Stanny Sr. Stanny. <laughs> proud father, Stanny. Stanny the first. He has the personality of a piece of wildfire crisp wood, but he is not a coward. You put a sword in this guy's hand and yeah. he is something to behold. And he didn't just send his men onward. He led them there himself. You know, when when they when one of his uh, aides de camp says, Sir, Hundreds will die. Instead, <laughs> it's just kind of thinks about it for half a second. Thousands. <laughs> but he's good with it. <laughs> he's go. good with it, man. Hey, this is this is it. Come with me. You take know? this city. Uh, prepare to land. Your Grace, the dwarf has played his little trick. The wildfire, he can only play it once. We're too far from the gates. The fire, the archers, hundreds will die. Thousands. I mean, he's ready for it. And he leads from the front. Unlike Joffrey, who has, his mother has urgent... Agent it was an agent, and even at the end, when things have clearly turned, he wants turned, to keep going. Wants to keep going. Does not want to. Does is not interested in his own no. survival. Because what is his survival? He has to, to be him? dragged bodily Literally. away, scooped up under the armpits. He's like, no, let's. It's, you know, I'm dying here, or I'm winning today, or not. Stand and fight. That's right. Stand and fight. You know, and and Davos, he's lucky enough in Davos to have somebody who. To the extent that it's possible for Davos at any given moment yeah. wants to stand and fight with him. Now, obviously, things did not go super well for the the, <laughs> C the Seaworth clan here. You know, Davos says to Mathos as they are initially approaching King's Landing, he says, I spent most of my life dodging the royal fleet and now I'm sailing right at them. Now, that is a really interesting little moment yep. because it's very specific to Davos, you know, his history as a smuggler trying to escape the Royal Fleet, but it also really cements just more broadly the very, like, heightened nature of war. You know, what is war? It forces you to run toward the thing yep. that you, in all the rational aspects of your life, would be trying to escape. And, you know, Mathos, he doesn't really view anything that's happening in this moment or in general as yeah. a risk because he has the certainty. No one was more confident than Mathos. <laughs> certainty that Faith can bring. It's a really, he's a really cautionary right. tale, right? And of course, what happened earlier in the season, what does yeah. Melisandre say to him, right? Death by fire. Whoops. She tried to give him a heads up. Yeah. But he says, I have faith in the Lord Light, I have faith in our cause, and I have faith in my captain. He is risking everything, but he doesn't perceive it that way because to mm. him, there's there's no risk. There's no everything to give. His entire existence is about this faith. 
Cersei is uh, not, not just, a godly woman. Not just ready to risk everything. She's ready to kill everything that means anything to her rather than let uh, anyone else touch those things. Uh, she has Pycelle bring her. This is from Night Shade, my queen. Uh, one drop is enough to uh, render the subject into a, a, a state of uh, relaxation, and uh, five drops <laughs> should render him unconscious, and uh, ten drops, you know. I, I don't need to. I don't need to know what the ten drops does, you fool. Um, and then he's, you know, he's like, you know, Pycel, come on. He's like, um, you, you're great. If I may ask, why you, you may not. You know, even that, even Pycelle can sense that the the queen is is ready to do something extreme, and even you know as she's as she's playing host to the the fine ladies and children of Westeros, she's out here just kind of spilling her uh, angst uh, bladder out into. <laughs> I mean, she's just drunk and talking like, oh, you know. We're all going to be raped and killed soon. How do you feel? I feel great. She is not the most calming presence. I no. will will definitely say that. But I think that what's sort of fascinating is that even in her kind of deluded, drunk, ranting Real state, drunk. she's giving a lot of insight not only into right. her thought process but into the nature of ruling, into, yes. into the nature of risking everything, what is required to rule, right? You know, she – she even is going after the gods, right? Mathos would not approve when she's like, oh, you're so perfect. Because yeah. Cassandra's praying, oh, you're perfect, aren't you? Oh. And then she says, shut up, you little fool. Love it. The gods have no mercy. That's why they're gods. My father taught that, taught me that when he caught me praying. My mother had just died. You see, I didn't really understand the concept of death, the finality of it. And, of course, what is she surrounded by right now? Reminders of what death is and what it might be and what she's prepared to do. To be in control of, right. like, the least controllable circumstance in the world. When we say, what are people here willing to risk? She is literally willing to risk her life and the lives of those closest to her in order to die on her own terms. And that's that's really wild. You know, she says to Sansa when she's talking about why Ellen Payne, why the king's justice is in the room with them. You know, she says, when I told you uh, about Sir Ellen earlier, I lied. Do you want to hear the truth? Do you want to know why he's really here? He's here for us. Stannis may take the city, he may take the throne, but Oof. he won't take us alive. And then, of course, one of the the, the cuts that they're going back <laughs> yeah. and forth to in the closing moments of the episode is Cersei on the Iron Throne with Tommen on her lap, yeah. just sharing one of Asap's fables, yep. and holding a little the vial cork. of poison Popping the cork in her on. hand, prepared to end her child's life, which is, you know, a fascinating thing, It's especially in the context of this character who is basically ruled by fear of bad things happening to her children. Quick aside on Lancel, who's... Uh, I love everything about Lancel's appearance in this episode. He gets, he gets wounded a minute after leaving the gate. Like, not even a minute, like 10 seconds. Yeah, it's quick. Staggers back to where Cersei is uh, to kind of update her <laughs> about the battle. Uh, the imp has set the river afire, but, but his troops have landed outside the city walls. And, of course, Cersei wants to know where her son is. Where's Joffrey? On the battlements with Lord Tyrion. Bring him back inside at once. But your grace, what? The king's presence is good for morale. You know, Lancel understands that if you call Joffrey back here, that could be it. Um, And Lancel pulls no punches for once in his life. The battle has lost your grace. When the gold cloaks saw the king leaving, they lost all heart. 
tried, man. He had a risk of his own there. Oh, Challenging Cersei is risky. Let's let okay. Who were they talking about there? They're talking about Joffrey. Yeah. They're talking about the king. And <laughs> this goes down as one of the most priceless exchanges. I'll be Lancel, you be Joffrey. Okay, sure. Okay? sure. I don't want to deprive you yeah, of yeah, the yeah. right to recite these these precious gems. Okay. Your grace, the queen has sent me to bring you back to the Red Keep. What would you have me do? Lead! Get down there and lead your people against the invaders who want to kill them. Uh, what did my mother say exactly? <laughs> did she have urgent business with me? Was it more urgent than the invading army currently laying siege to my castle? <laughs> <laughs> He's such a coward. You know who has a lot more courage than he does? Sansa. Oh my God. She was really, truly risking bodily harm earlier in the throne room by nagging Joffrey. I'm sorry, Your Grace, you're right. I'm stupid. Of course you'll be in the vanguard. They say my brother Rob always goes where the fighting is thickest. And, you know, she risks more throughout this episode. She challenges Cersei. She challenges the Hound. You know, she's afraid of the Hound. And so when she finds him, after he flees from the battle, he goes to her chambers, right? Little Dove. Little Dove's cage. And he's... He offers to take her away from this. He says, I'm going. She says, where? Someplace that isn't burning. North might be, could be. What about the king? He can die just fine on his own. I could take you with me, take you to Winterfell. I'll keep you safe. Do you want to go home? And she says, I'll be safe here. Stannis won't hurt me. And then the hound, more of his trademark (laughs) wisdom, look at me. Stannis is a killer. The Lannisters are killers. Your father was a killer. Your brother is a killer. Your sons will be killers someday. The world is built by killers. So you better get used to looking at them. Which is just great. It's great. And she says, you won't hurt me. And he says, no, little bird. I won't hurt you. And then she passes on this really tempting offer to get the fuck out of there. Not her best move. Not her best move. I mean, it's really a no-win situation almost for him. You could leave with the hound and trust that the king actually gets overthrown and doesn't send people after you and then or stay and maybe uh, you know, hang out, marry Joffrey, have his children. Meanwhile the hound has burned every bridge. Yes. Literally. Yes. He's what you know, with wildfire. He's said, fuck the king. Uh this is treason. He showed his his willingness to to face death at every turn with his severely depressed state by almost fighting Bron. Yeah. He's starting shit before him. Yeah, he's like there's Let's any go. reason to. Let's, you know, we're gonna die today. Who's the best? It's me. I say, let's go. You'd think they'd be bonding, right? Because the hound says, you like fucking yeah. and drinking and singing, but killing. Killing's the thing you love. You're just like me, only smaller. And quicker. This is common ground. <laughs> Why yeah. are they doing this? We've got women and good brown ale. <laughs> and all you want to do is put one of us in the cold ground. With no women. With no women. There's women in the ground. Put some <laughs> like, of them there myself. Will you chill, hound? <laughs> God, fucking lighten up. Think about his leadership tactics. If any man dies with a clean sword, I'll rape his fucking yeah, corpse. Not... <laughs> good, no- good notes, boss. This is like... Oh, this is a guy who is not totally with it mentally. And then, of course, we see him snap as soon as the... Well, shocking, a shocking moment to see the hound yes. even not be able to deal with this. The terror in his eyes. Yeah, as soon as the as soon as soon the the wildfire went up, that look on his face, you know, and then t- when he flees, Tyrion's saying, you're on the wrong side of the wall. I lost half my men. The, the Blackwater is on fire. That last statement, of mm-hmm. course, 
Tyrion not realizing what right. that means to the Hound. And, you know, uh, Joffrey commands him to go back there. You're the king's god to Clegane? Fuck the king's god. Fuck the city. Fuck the king. You really have to leave after that. Yeah. You're, you're dead. Just finally on this risking everything note. We're going to talk a lot more about the Tyrells and about Tywin in the we finale. We won! In the finale. Because <laughs> we don't actually see them in this episode until the very end. But despite that lack of screen time, it's it's worth asking and thinking about what did they actually risk by coming here, right? Because for, you know, the show has, has attempted to basically trick you into thinking that Tywin is leaving Harrenhal to right. pursue Roz, right. right? This is part of, of the ruse of the story so that you're shocked when this happens and when they're rescued. But... What did he risk by not actually doing that, by right. not going to get Rob? And what are the Tyrells risking by forging this new alliance with a family that they don't trust and that they have openly rebelled against? Yeah. These are not easy moves. These are not easy decisions. These are not risk-free. And there's skin in the game because in order to in order to cement this alliance, someone's got to get married. And someone's got to get married to Joffrey. Woof. Tough Boy. ask. That's a, t- <laughs> <laughs> That's a tough ask. Hey guys, just a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. Binge Mode is brought to you by DirecTV Now. Live stream your favorite channels on virtually any device. Plus, you can subscribe to HBO and start watching Game of Thrones today. And now, back to Binge Mode. Okay, Jason, the world is built by killers, but it's also built on belief. And after a season of wondering whether Stannis would walk away from this evil temptress, this red woman, Melisandre. The events that transpire at the Battle of the Blackwater, the outcome for Stannis, forces us to consider the other side of that debate. Would things have been different for Stannis if she had been there, if Davos hadn't talked him out of this? So let's assemble the Conclave. Let's head to the Citadel. Teach us everything we need to know about what Melisandre's even all about here? What's going on with the Lord of Light? What's up with Melisandre's blood magic? What's actually at play here? What difference could it have made? Mysterious Melisandre is a priestess of the fire deity, R'hllor, Uh commonly referred to in Westeros as simply the Red God. The true believers of this religion uh, refer to their deity as the Lord of Light, um, the religion espouses a dualistic Manichaean worldview. Light is the ultimate good. Darkness is the ultimate evil. And so all of these rituals um, that are involved in this religion, they always have fire at the center of the red priests and the priestesses believe that the Lord of Light reveals prophecies in the flames. If you stare at the flames in, in the right frame of mind, if you're uh, touched enough, if you're pious enough, the Lord of Light will reveal the truth of what will happen in those flames. Um, and Melisandre does this quite a lot. Of course, um, you have to beware because many an acolyte has been brought to tragedy by believing the things that they see in the flames are the Lord's will when they're actually some kind of expression of their of what they what they want to have happen. It's, and it's very hard to demarcate that. Um, and of course, Melisandre fails at this uh, coming. Huh? <laughs> Shortly, will fail at this. The religion originated in Eastern Essos, where it's still a, a very powerful cultural force, particularly among the continents, millions of slaves. Very popular religion amongst slaves. Um, the Red Temples of the, of the East, which is kind of like the center of the religion, often buy child slaves in order to 
free them and indoctrinate them immediately into the religion. Um, in the books, one of these red priests is named Benero. He preaches in Volantis. He was a slave himself, has the tattoos on his face. Um, and he roils the streets with preaching of, of Danny as being a uh, the manifestation of Azar High, the legendary hero come to free the slaves from bondage. This is uh, threatening to um, the powers that be in the East with because slave holding, slave selling is essentially the basis of the economy out there. And, and a large portion of the, of the populations of these Eastern cities are slaves. So that's um, it's viewed as a dangerous religion, but also one that you can't really uh, you can't. Uh, very hard to take on just because of the popularity of it. Melisandre was indoctrinated into the religion as a child slave. She remembers back in the mists of time, however old she is, uh, being bid upon the lot that she was involved in being bid upon. Uh, and at some point, obviously, she she was indoctrinated to the religion. Thoros of Mir, who we remember uh, as a member of the Brotherhood, he was also indoctrinated to the religion as, as a slave. And what we're, we're seeing also as, as the dragons begin to grow, the power of R'hllor seems to be returning. Now, blood magic, Stanny Jr., this is a separate thing. This is something else entirely. Melisandre is bringing a completely different magical discipline to her abilities as a priestess of the Lord of Light. Simply, blood magic is just magic which uses bodily fluids, either animal or human or, you know, the blood of kings, the fluids of kings sometimes. Uh, the witch Miri Mazdur used blood magic, you know, cutting open the horse's belly on Drogo. Uh, whoever it was that cut Varys's junk off and and put it on the brazier and barbecued it was using blood magic. <laughs> Melisandre creates Stanny Jr. using the kingly seed of Stanless. So these are, these are magical spells that um, seem to be more consistent than Lord of Light stuff. So that's a separate thing. Now, Piat Pri... He uses a separate form of magic again, which is kind of like this glamoring um, illusion-based magic, which is also growing stronger as the, as the dragons return. When Vera says the dark arts have provided Lord Stannis with his armies and paved his path to our door for a man in service of such powers to sit the Iron Throne, yeah. I can think of nothing worse. Varys is really measured very careful in what he says and when and to whom. And for him to show, really for one of the only times in the in the entire series, actual, yeah. genuine fear, that tells us what kind of what kind of foe this is, what kind of threat this really could be. You know, our pointy end was risking everything. Stannis risked everything when he threw in his lot with Melisandre because she's going to be unacceptable to a large portion of the population of the continent. So he's really espousing a religious war because, right. you know, there, there are going to be forces beyond just the lords of the land that would oppose him because he threw in with her. Another reason why Davos's uh, advice to leave her at home was probably wise. But then he risks he risks everything again yeah. by listening to Davos because like he's kind of trying to have his cake and right. eat it too, right? Yeah, it's like you have to commit. The one yep. thing that you have to do is fully commit. All right, Maester, tears. Is it urgent? <laughs> it is urgent. It is urgent. Zach is telling us it is urgent. <laughs> tears aren't a woman's only weapon. There's another one. And the gems that we've already broken down yes. in this podcast are not the only parts of Blackwater that deserve our attention. So it's time. It's time to head to the Sept, to bathe in the light of the Seven, share seven of our favorite insights and observations from this episode. 
do it lightning round style. You go first. What's number one? Uh, Tyrion and swag queen Shay. Uh, he says, you can't fuck your way out of everything, Shay. I have so far. She really has. She really she has. has. She really has. She'll do it again. All right, number two. Bronn. Beautiful, sonorous voice. Lovely. Really lovely stuff. Honeyed voice. And what are they singing? What's he singing yeah. with that honeyed voice? Reigns of Castamere. Where'd you learn the Lannister song? One of the soldiers says. And he says, drunk Lannisters, yeah. which is just great stuff. But the show is really, this is not the first time we've mentioned noting the reigns of Castamere in an episode, the show is really priming us to recognize this song the second that it begins playing at the Red Wedding. It pl The song plays over the end credits in this episode, too. They have a national performance. So we're hearing it. It's it's embedding in our minds and our souls. We're supposed to recognize the second it begins that people who aren't in that room are responsible for that song. Number three. Tyrion and Bronn's evolving ro bromance. Beautiful stuff. Me, the bromance. Uh, Tyrion says, uh, right as the battle's breaking off, don't get killed, nor you, my friend. Oh, we're friends now. Of course we are. Just because I pay you for your services doesn't diminish our friendship. And Bronn, beautiful <laughs> kicker, enhances it, really. He's right. It really does. <laughs> Great stuff. Yeah. Great stuff. All right, number four. Lancel's wound. We were making fun of this earlier. He gets wounded very quickly. And then Cersei, oh! Cersei kind of like pushes him in the in the in the oh! in the boo boo, and he's in pain. He's crying and he's rolling around on the floor. Oh! Very funny. But but this is also actually like hugely important yes. because this wound is going to lead to a protracted struggle of a rehab plot twist. And that rehab is going to send him down the godly path that leads him to the faith militant. Number five. We get a taste of the of the intricacies of King's Landing and the Red Keep and Magor. Um, the Targaryens built this city, Varys tells Tyrion, to service a siege and provide escape if necessary. This, this is our first hint that there is a warren of tunnels and ways to move throughout King's Landing that aren't known to most people. And Tyrion will uh, become intimately associated with this. Indeed. All right, number six. This is really, this is the most important stuff in the episode. Poor Lady Sansa, some wine. I'm not thirsty, Your Grace. So, I didn't offer you water. Shades of Yorin, That's Shades right. of the Homie saying to Arya, you don't drink it for the taste, to be honest. Also, later in this scene, when Cersei just demands at the end of one of her rants, Maul wine, is this the beginning of when the Cersei wine meme really became a thing? Is this when we all started just associating wine with Cersei so That's fully? Right. Keep that thing topped off. What a woman. All right, number seven. The Hound and the Brawn. Where they have their little showdown in the brothel. The hound says, you think you're a hard man. Bronn, who has just, he's just finished singing the Lannister song with a naked woman on his lap. Oh, I know it. That's <laughs> <laughs> great stuff. No one can, Bronn knows how to work That's a room. Great stuff. Let me tell you, this guy can. What a champion. Charmer. Well, they say he's half a man, but he's fully our episode nine champion. Our streak of awarding our champion's purse, which we give every episode to the person who we think played the game or advanced his or her cause the most. It's going once again for the third time this season. Defender of the city. Tyrion. And here's the thing. Yeah, he got stabbed in the face, but wounds heal. Also, that was a sneak attack. Yeah. 
You know, he was not expecting Sir Mandon Moore, a supposedly leal member of the Kingsguard, to like strike at him. Smiled at him. Smiled at him like, hey, yeah, what's, what's up? up? What's up, homie? Things are going to go downhill for Tyrion Fast, in a hurry. Quickly. But we are living in the moment. We are, right. We're on the battlefield with him. And he organized and executed the defense of King's Landing. Other people are going to take credit. We'll talk a lot in, in the finale breakdown about how fucked he got here when it yes. comes to getting his proper due for what he managed. But that's why we're here. That's right. We're giving him the proper due. Well, let's take it from the beginning. First of all, he took over planning when it seemed like Cersei and Joffrey were going to run wild with it. Who knows yeah. what they had planned. He boned up on siege warfare, reading every book he could get his hands on. He understood where... Stannis was likely to strike and he put his forces all the, basically put everything he had at that point. If he had guessed wrong, if it was a different gate, there are multiple gates to the city, maybe there's a different outcome. He had the wildfire ship prepared and Stannis fell for it and Bronn hit his arrow on the first try when all seemed lost when the king fled the battle. Urgent business. Is it urgent? He <laughs> Gave the speech of his life. Yes. To a group of men who he knows hate him. Yeah. He knows these people don't respect him. That takes more courage than anything else. Hate him and at a minimum, at a minimum, even if they're not, even if they don't hate him, they're like, uh, this is the guy where right. f- I'm going to follow this guy <laughs> yeah. onto the beach. That guy. That guy. But they did, sure. man. He yeah, got them to it. follow him. It's great stuff. He was just chopping legs and wielding that axe. That's right. And if he doesn't hold there, give Tywin and the Knights of the Reach time to get there. Right. City Falls. Yeah, like they're the closer. That's but he, it. But You're he right. went eight innings. It was urgent. <laughs> urgent right. business. Urgent. What did she business. say? Tell me exactly <laughs> what she said as she said it to you. All right, guys. Don't fight for your king. That's right. Don't fight for his kingdoms, but please, we beg you, fight for this podcast. We hope that you had as much fun as we did today. This is a really thrilling and fun episode to watch and to talk about. We we had a lot of fun doing it, and we hope that you will join us next time when we will be discussing the season two finale of Alamogulis. Yes. Until then. Fuck the water. Bring me white. Urgent business. Urgent? Your grace, your mother, the queen, bids you <laughs> bids your presence. Uh oh, she calls me. What? Should I? Uh, oh, is it urgent? What did What did she say? How did she? How her body language? How did it seem?